Hi, I'm Lanny. On this podcast, I'll dive deep into all things home. Steading, cooking, schooling, making, food preservation, and scratch-made everything. Our homes used to be more than just a place to sleep and charge our smartphones. The home was the heart of our families, a place where we could birth our babies, school our children, grow, raise, cook, and preserve our own food, host weddings in the pasture, and funerals in our parlor. Do you want to take back your autonomy and breathe new life into your home? Let's learn together. With intention, we can rely more on ourselves and less on the systems that don't serve us. This is the Greener Postures Podcast. Well, hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Greener Postures Podcast. I'm your host, Lanny, and I'm happy to be here with you today. As you know, or you may know, the month of March, we're going to be talking all things sourdough this year, 2023, uh, the Greener Postures Podcast. And that's kind of what I'm focusing on in everything that I do. So if you're a member of the Greener Postures community, you might be getting some goodies from me, like a recipe card or a video tutorial, and it's going to all be in the same thing of sourdough. So the end of the month, we're going to have a workshop that's open to anybody, even if you're not a member. It's just $40 to sign up. It's live online Sunday, the 26th of March at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And that's going to be getting started with sourdough. We're going to talk about starting a starter from scratch. We're going to talk about baking bread and using discard and everything in between. Um, I'm really excited to share the information that I am putting together for you in this book that I'm writing. It's awesome. If you want to sign up for the workshop, go to greenerpostures.com workshops. There you can find all the past workshops I've done as well. And if one of those things seems interesting to you, you don't have to wait for the next live workshop. You can purchase the replay if you want to do it that way. So that is available to you. Uh, as well as signing up for my mailing list so that you can be notified when we have more workshops coming up. And if you're local to my area, Northwest Washington, I do live workshops in my home as well. So you can contact me directly about that if you'd like, or follow me on Instagram because pretty much everything I do gets posted there. So last week on the Greener Postures podcast, we talked about starting a sourdough starter from scratch. The way I describe to do that in that episode is different than the way I might describe um, in my handbook that's coming with the Greener Postures getting started with sourdough workshop on the 26th of March. The reason being is because explaining how to do the sourdough starter is much simpler in the way that I described it than what it is in what I've written down. And the difference is just like the flour to water ratio, the type of flour to use and the amount of starter to put in. Um, the way I told you to do, I, I the the way I described that you could do it um, on the last episode is totally acceptable. And the way that I tell you I did it in my book is absolutely acceptable as well. And that's just one example of how there are so many variables with sourdough that you like kind of can't go wrong. I'm sure you could go wrong. I think I last time I said, don't microwave it. And that's probably a great tip. Don't use boiling water to start your starter or feed your starter. Um, there are things that can destroy it, but the reality is, is that no one starters is going to be the same. Even maybe if you create a new starter in your same environment with the same ingredients, it's going to be different and behave differently. 
So there are so many variables with fermentation period, but especially with seems like especially with sourdough that um, don't be discouraged if what seems to be the perfect way to do things and someone's, you know, you have to do it this way online. If it doesn't work for you, be ready to like figure it out and troubleshoot and just keep moving forward. There is a lot of variation and all of them are acceptable. So I just wanted to mention that as a follow-up from the last episodes that people are getting started on the right foot and don't feel like you have to do it just one way. Today I kind of want to talk about one of the variables in sourdough and I want to talk about flour. That's pretty uh, important. I think it's the next to water. It's the, the essential ingredient in regular conventional bread. Now there's other people that do sourdough uh, as a gluten-free sourdough and I do not understand that at all. I am I'm understanding only of the gluten uh, heavy sourdough. The, the building the structure of the dough means developing gluten, which is the protein in the flour. And that is what I focused on for since I started sourdough. And I do not understand how to rise the bread or anything when you're working with a gluten-free sourdough starter and working with things like rice flour or oat flour. I just don't know. So that's uh, for a different person. If you're curious in that, maybe someday I'll get into it. I'm not sure. But today I'm going to talk about flour, good old wheat flour and different types of flour. So when you're making sourdough, the ingredients you use are going to give you different results. The methods that you use could give you different results. The water temperature you do uh, use, the ambient temperature in the room could give you different results. But I just want to focus on flour for now and the different types of flour. Because I know that when I started baking sourdough, I was not clear on the differences between different flours. Now I know there's all-purpose flour, unbleached flour, there's wheat flour, there's all-purpose wheat flour, there's bread flour, there's... Uh, uh, wheat bread flour, there's rye, there's spelt, there's einkorn, there's lots of different types of flours, and I didn't really know the difference. Also, think cake flour and pastry flour. Now, I think I had the understanding in my head that cake flour and pastry, pastry flour were a finer grind um, and more powdery, but I have been uh, mistaken. <laughs> the, the differences in these flour are oftentimes the protein levels as well as the amount they've been sifted. So white flour is usually about 11, 11 and a half percent protein. And if for those who don't know, gluten is the name of the protein in flour. I think there might be more than one kind of protein in flour, but typically when you're talking protein, you're talking about gluten levels. And if you're talking about gluten levels, you're talking about how stretchy and fluffy you can get your dough. So you want a higher protein flour for a good, you know, like crusty Italian loaf of bread. So white flour, um, you could call it medium protein bread flour. That would be about 11 and a half. I think all purpose white flour might be even a little less protein than that. Whole wheat flour might be about 13 to 14% protein. Whereas like high protein flour or often called bread flour is like closer to 14% protein. Um, so this is going to create a stronger structure of your bread. It'll hold its shape better and it'll rise better. It'll be stretchier. So the dough itself will be stretchier. That's what happens. Gluten like develops elasticity 
uh, by working the dough, like either kneading it or stretch and fold techniques after it's hydrated. And um, that is what helps your dough keep the, its shape. So um, the other things you could think of is like whole spelt flour, rye flour, einkorn. Those are different types of grain. Rye flour has a bit less protein than other flours, um, but these have different benefits other than just their protein levels. So if you're shopping at the store and you, you probably have been stocking all-purpose flour in your kitchen, I think that's what most people would buy from the store and you can get away with pretty much making anything with that. Um, like cookies and cupcakes and pancakes and all of the other typical things that people know how to bake. Um, the more average stuff. Then you can get into specialty stuff like cake flour and pastry flour. And those um, cake flour and pastry flour have a lower protein than, than bread flour because you don't necessarily want that stretchy gluten. You want more of a delicate crumb when you're baking for cookies, something that's crumbly, cookies and, uh, and cakes. So the level of bran and germ in a specific flour is also going to affect the texture of the bread, the flavor of the bread, and the way it rises. Wheat is a plant that grows like a grass, and the little tiny seeds that form at the top are called wheat berries, and that's what's harvested and then eventually ground into wheat. When you buy wheat flour from the store, it's already been ground and it's been sifted, and the reason it's been sifted is mostly for storage. So the anatomy of a wheat berry would be the outside part, it's brown, is called the bran. Um, there is an inside part that's called the endosperm, and that's the majority of what the grain is made up of. And then there's a small part inside as well called the germ. Now you might have heard of bran, wheat bran, um, like bran flakes and things like that. They're sold as a nutritional um, supplement sometimes because they're very high in fiber. Um, and then the germ, you might have also heard of wheat germ, kind of the same thing. It's sold as a supplement, a fiber supplement, or it's added to bulk up fiber in certain recipes of processed foods. Those things have natural oils that will go rancid and, and break down. So once that grain is processed, the bran and the germ don't have as long of a shelf life as the endosperm. The endosperm is where the protein is and where the gluten is. So by filtering out the germ and the bran and leaving just the endosperm, you leave a longer shelf stable product with a good amount of gluten in it and a nice white color. So if you'd like um, to buy that type of flour at the store, you're buying stuff that's been ground a while ago and been sifted and it might not be as nutrient dense as a fresher ground grain. It might be not as nutrient dense or having the variety of nutrients and minerals as it does if it wasn't not as filtered. So if there is some of the bran and germ left. Now, if you've ever bought whole wheat flour at the store and you've also bought all purpose or any kind of white flour, you've seen that you, there's these little tiny brown flecks in your wheat flour. It's not that the whole thing is brown, it's that it's got flecks of, of the brown and that's the bran and the germ. So if you're going to bake with sourdough, keep in mind the bran and the germ kind of weighs things down and makes it heavier. So most people go with a mix of wheat and white flour and the white flour being bread flour. 
So usually it's whole wheat bread flour and whole wheat white flour that the recipe calls for. And that's what I started with when I was baking sourdough. I began with a recipe that was about 25% whole wheat bread flour and 75% white bread flour. And it's important to choose unbleached flours because the bleaching agents can affect with uh, the, the microbial process of trying to grow microbes when you're fermenting. So choose unbleached and then choose flour that's not enriched. Enriched flour just has synthetic vitamins added to it. We don't need that. It's no good. I've talked about it on other podcasts before. Look into it. I don't want iron added to my food. That's not, it's not absorbable iron. It's, it's a bad idea. So unbleached, not enriched, very important. Bread flour means a higher protein content, means more gluten, means a better loaf of bread. So look at, for those two things. Then the next um, step is these specialty grains, which, um, you know, the wheat being a grass that grows and there's a little wheat, wheat berries at top that they um, harvest. Um, there is a variety of wheat called einkorn. That's E-I-N-K-O-R-N, einkorn. And that wheat is one of the more ancient forms of wheat that's never been hybridized. And it grows on a stalk with just one wheat berry at the top of each stalk. If you can picture like, um, amber waves of grain, you know, if you can picture like wheat, um, in pictures, there's like lots of little wheat berries at the top of this kind of like fuzzy little uh, top of the, the grass. Well, einkorn only has one. And so obviously for farming and industrial farming, it's not as lucrative to produce einkorn because there's only one wheat berry for each stock. So you're just not going to have a big of, as big of yield of wheat berries from the same amount of land. So it's not very popular. Um, well, it wasn't, but it seems to have gained popularity, popularity again lately with the boom of sourdough making that happened in 2020. Um, I, I discovered einkorn because it was recommended by the West Native Price Foundation because it is one of the ancient grains along with spelt. And I have been enjoying using it. It's got a really good flavor. It's, it's good to work with. Um, I was buying einkorn flour by a brand called Jovial. They do sell wheat flour or white all-purpose flour, unbleached, and um, both are good. And I was using those for pancakes and waffles and things like that, but it was very expensive. So through Azure Standard, I have purchased um, einkorn wheat berries, and I should kind of skip back before that. Um, we were talking about the anatomy of the grain and the processing of the grain and the shelf stability of the grain. And I was finding that sometimes when you're getting wheat flour from the store, things are already kind of rancid. A lot of the nutrient value that was in the wheat berry has been degraded over time as it sits on the shelf. So naturally I wanted to see, well, why can't I buy wheat berries and make my own flour? And what does it take to do that? And the answer is a grain mill. And there's lots of different types of grain mills. There's ones that you crank with your hand. There's ones that are typically for animal feed. And then there's ones that you can make flour with that you plug in and use. I settled on the mock mill, M-O-C-K-M-I-L-L. -L. I think they're out of Germany. It was pricey, but I felt it was worth it. It's stone ground. There's two, like, I think ceramic. No, I'm not sure, actually. Some kind of stones. 
There's two stones inside and you can adjust the thickness of your grind of your flour by um, either um, moving those stones apart or together uh, closer. And for flour, you want it on the closest setting. You put your wheat, you turn it on, put your wheat berries in the top and then flour comes out of this little chute. And it's pretty loud. That's like one of the downsides is I, I feel like when the kids are still sleeping, I can't use it. Even though my house is good size and they're upstairs, I just feel like it's too loud um, through the floor. Like it would wake them up and you don't want to wake up sleeping children for the love of God. So I don't, that's one downside is that it's loud. But if I plan ahead and I grind the flour when it's a time when everybody's up, it's pretty cool. That means that I can buy wheat berries instead of buying flour from the store. And that is a savings. Uh, pound for pound, wheat berries are cheaper than the ground flour. And then I can choose how I use them. So I thought this was this genius idea and I bought a mock mill and I got some wheat berries from the store and I made my first loaf of bread using all freshly ground wheat. And it did not turn out how I was expecting because like me, I skim reading something and then I just dive into it because that's how I learn. So I didn't read about how to adjust other things in the recipe. I just did my same old recipe, but with the freshly ground wheat. And let me tell you, it didn't develop gluten the same. It was heavier. It was denser, but boy, it smelled so good. It was like this, I don't know, layered, like rich, nutty, like toasty flavor and scent. Um, it was really good. I thought, you know, having a chunk of this next to a bowl of stew would be like seeing something that was served in like medieval times or something. It was like, just not the same as I was expecting for like sandwich bread or other things like that. Um, since then, I've done a lot of studying and reading about this. I now understand the reasons why my loaf be behaved that way. It was much more dense, did not have an open crumb. It didn't set up the same. It was a little flatter of a loaf, but it was still really tasty and definitely edible. Um, it wasn't what I was trying to... Uh, share with other people. I wanted to give them a more classic loaf, what they were expecting, like from getting from the store. So I was trying to feel like, how can I have the best of both worlds and still buy my own wheat berries, but have a better bread. So for a while I was just grinding my wheat berries and using those as 25% of the recipe and using the other 75% as store-bought white bread flour. And that was okay. Um, there's also another product that you can buy. That's a very refined part of flour called vital wheat gluten or sometimes just VWG and that's what people vegetarians often use to make a product called Seton. It's not Satan but maybe um, it is. It's vegan stuff. They make it as a substitute for uh, meat I believe and they use it as a as like a meat substitute similar to like how you would use tofu um, or tempeh. Um, yeah, it's vital wheat gluten is often in recipes for breads because it just bumps up the gluten content in the bread just by like using only like a tablespoonful. And that makes it so that you can have a stretchier bread and sh shape better and all of that. So you could add that to your bread if you wanted to add more gluten. Um, but for me, what was really important is just trying to have this be as natural and as sustainable as possible. If I can stockpile wheat berries, and if these are stored properly, wheat berries can last and be fresh for 25 years. 
So I've like got my Mylar bags and my oxygen absorbers and I was buying 25 pound bags of wheat berries from Azure Standard and portioning them out to about five pounds per bag and putting them in Mylar bags so that I have like a good year's supply of wheat on hand at any time and a variety of those things. And assuming we continue to have power and gas, I'm going to be baking really good bread um, using the grain mill. And even if I couldn't get the white bread flour from the store anymore, I'm still happy with that really more dense um, uh, whole wheat uh, bread that I was making. But I'm still like on the search for understanding wheat and how I can make mine more like store-bought, but more homemade and more fresh ground. So then I thought sifting. Somebody says sift it and then you'll remove some of the bran and the germ and it will um, turn out better or turn out more typical of what you're expecting for a loaf of bread. Big holes inside and um, taller, loftier. Loftier is a good way to describe it. Stretchier, more gluten. So what I did is I used a um, mesh like strainer, like a metal mesh strainer. And I put my wheat in there and I sifted it. And out of a thousand grams of wheat, I was only left with like two tablespoons of bran and germ. And I could tell that was not it. So then I started to research how do bakers sift their freshly milled flour. And I found they're like pretty specific sifters. So they, they had like, were called 100 mesh or 150 mesh strainers. And I was looking at those and to be like, they're a finer mesh. So they're specific to get bran and um, germ out of your wheat. So I thought that I could get one of those and give it a try. So I did order it from Amazon and it should be here soon. So that's my next experiment is to do a little finer sifting with my um, home ground flour and see if I can get it to be basically 50-50 white and wheat would be ideal. I told you when I started that I was using 25% whole wheat bread flour and a 75% white bread flour. But since then, I've um, changed my recipe to be about 50-50 white and wheat. To do that, I've just had to add and um, have a higher hydration. So just adding more water to the recipe and then also taking my time to do a lot of gentle stretch and folds or a, like working this to develop the gluten over time um, instead of it kind of happening for you like it does when you use a uh, white bread flour. Um, so there's a lot of choices out there and a lot of people really like spelt flour. Um, a lot of people also like rye. So I've got both berries of those and I'm going to experiment with all of those and combinations of all of them and I will let you know how they turn out especially at the workshop at the end of the month but also on my Instagram page. I think that the thing that makes sourdough like really really fun for me is just that there are so many variables and like you can read about it and people can tell you what the right way to do thing is but it's like it's there's no way one person can know all the things about it. So like I am not even pretending to know all the things, but I am happy to share what I have learned and what I've experimented with so people can just use that as a jumping off point if they want to. I did find a book that I really like. Um, I haven't really bought any sourdough books because I've just been kind of watching videos online and then experimenting. I wanted to get this book when I found it. Um, this guy has a blog. His name is... Um, Maurizio Leo 
and he has this new book out called The Perfect Loaf, The Craft and Science of Sourdough Breads, Sweets, and More. And his recipes are pretty straightforward. Um, once you understand the lingo of sourdough and, you know, basic baker's math, and he's got really cool recipes. But not only that, in his book, he really describes what sourdough is and what all these different words are. And I think that um, it's a really useful book. He's got pizza and rolls and, and bagels and things like that, as well as just the basic sourdough loaf. So if you were going to buy one sourdough book, I would recommend The Perfect Loaf. And I will link to that in the um, show notes here. So if you wanted to buy it from Amazon anyway, if you buy it through my link because I recommended it and I inspired you to buy it, then please buy it through my link because I will get a kickback as I'm an Amazon affiliate. So anyways, guys, I think that's it for today. Um, wheat, there's a lot to it. There is a lot of different <laughs> options you can use, a lot of different kinds. I didn't even talk about like double zero, I think, a double O wheat. Have you heard of that? They say it's really great for making uh, pizza crust because it is actually ground finer than other wheats. So there's even more to wheat that I haven't got to yet. Right now, the rabbit trail that I am following is this freshly milled wheat and how to get a perfect loaf of bread with freshly milled wheat. So I'm going to keep down that path and I'll let you know how it goes. Um, there are many different kinds of um, grain mills and I'll link to one, at least one in my um, show notes here as well. I do have the mock mill and they, I was like on a waiting list. It took me a long time to get it and they were expensive. And then they have even more like beautiful ones that are, have like wood on the outside instead of plastic. And they were like $300 more. So I couldn't justify getting the same machine, just prettier for more money. So I have the less attractive one, but I'm okay. If I'm ever a famous blogger, I'm sure they'll send me an upgrade so that I can write about it. So, um, here's hoping, I guess I should start writing blogs if I want to be a famous vlogger. Um, anyway, guys, I hope you'll join me for the workshop at the end of the month because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, with these workshops, as always, it's just about this community that um, is growing here and everybody in the Greener Postures Telegram chat. You guys are so awesome. Like, I love all the things that we're sharing. Uh, check it out. Um, I also wanted to mention I did put a bonus episode out. Um, it is the uh, appearance I was on a live YouTube uh, stream with Michelle of Michelle's Healing Home. She's Michelle's Healing Home on Instagram. That's where I knew her from. Her YouTube channel is also Michelle's Healing Home. And I believe the show I was on was called The Healing Home. So she and I talked about homemaking and cooking from scratch and homeschooling and home birth and all the things that I love to talk about. And she's awesome. So I hope I can get her on this podcast to chat with me about herbalism because that's what she's into. And I want to get her opinion on what are some things that I can plant around my property to have just medicine growing wild all around me? So there already is a lot. You know, I have nettles. I have purple dead nettle. I have blackberries and raspberries. I have um, tons of st different stuff. I have things like sage and, and rosemary and a bunch of, you know, natural stuff, roses, wild roses. I mean, we're loaded here. And there's even more than I don't know. I haven't identified yet. Um, I know chickweed is everywhere. Plantain is everywhere. All of these things are really good to use. And I want to learn more about what's around me and then what I can also throw seeds at and hopefully proliferate around the area. So Michelle, if you're listening, reach out to me. I'd love to schedule with you. Otherwise you'll be hearing from me soon enough. 
And if you want to give it a listen, you can listen on my feed um, to the last episode, which was a bonus episode, or you can also watch it on her YouTube channel, Michelle's Healing Home. So go and check it out, guys. Let me know what you think. Um, Till next time, talk to you later. Thanks for listening. I'm Lanny, and this was the Greener Postures Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Greener Postures and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Preserving Today, by going to youtube.com slash at Greener Postures. Questions, feedback, or would you like to be a guest on the show? Send me a DM or you can email me at greenerpostures at pm.me. I'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in attending one of my online workshops and joining the exclusive Greener Postures Telegram group chat, go to my website, greenerpostures.com slash workshops. I hope to see you there. See you.